Hey there friends, Angus here from Adio Media. Before we begin the show, I want to take this opportunity first of all to check in and say, how are you? How are things in your part of the world? At the moment, at the time of me recording this here in Melbourne, Australia, we're still able to go into practice and serve our patients, but that's pretty much a daily prospect. I know that things are changing around the world. I know that many of you at the moment feel a little bit like you're on a roller coaster with uh, no ending. This level of uncertainty is certainly one of the things that I'm finding most difficult to deal with. Here's what I do know. I know that this too will pass, that it's a temporary process. I'm seeing this time at the moment as a winter and after every winter comes a spring and then eventually a summer. So at the moment, here's what I don't want you focusing on. This is not a time for us to be focusing on building a practice. Clearly, many of you aren't even in practice and most of your practices like mine are taking a downturn, okay? So that's okay, first of all. During winter, it is a time of planning, of rest, of recuperation. And winter is also a really beautiful time for us to be building massive amounts of goodwill for our existing patients and out into our community. That's exactly what we're doing at my chiropractic practices, exactly what I'm doing inside of Adio Media with creating more content for you guys. Now, I wanna help you build that goodwill. I've put together a free membership site for you. I'm calling it Foundations. Inside of there, we go over the foundations of really good communication, business strategies, marketing, and putting together some videos so you can start to build that goodwill. Now, many of us have some extra uh, time on our hands, so rather than spending all our time inside of Netflix, let's upskill a little bit. Now, you can join the membership site at adiomedia.com forward slash foundations. Um, it's completely free. It will be forever. There's no upsells. There's nothing inside of that. I just want to help you reach out to your community so we can bring ourselves all back together again. So adiomedia.com forward slash foundations. There's over $700 worth of courses, which I'm just giving you so you can get access right now. Now, as always, gang, thanks for all that you do. Please keep saving lives. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll let you jump back into it now. See you soon. Bye. If it exists in this life, and you're in this world, there's no reason you don't deserve it. Like, whatever you want, you want it for a reason. I'm sure it's not ego-driven. Like, you absolutely deserve having it. If you're stuck, that's completely normal. It happens to us all, me included. Use this process, watch how quickly, how much more easily life gets, and just moving through it, getting towards what you want, which is, what you deserve to have. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. I've got a question for you. Do you ever find yourself frustrated with your goal setting? Are you in maybe a practice plateau? Are there areas of your life that regardless of what seems to be going on, things don't change? Have you answered yes to any of these questions? Then today's episode is absolutely for you. I've got my good friend all the way from LA, Dr. Josh Wagner. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, Angus. Thanks for having me and thanks for everyone listening in. It, um, I, I, you and I first connected a number of years ago. You came on a couple of our different programs. I think it might have been the World Chiropractic Summit and some other work that we had. And one of the things I loved about everything that you taught is it was so full of 
practical information. Uh, it was always incredibly innovative. Innovative, And then you reached out to me um, a couple of weeks ago telling me about a book that you've written called, uh, called You Deserve It, of which I just devoured in this last kind of 36 hours as, as well. That's what I want to talk a lot about today. But before we jump into that, can you give our audience a bit of a background of your journey up to date? And then we'll start to talk our way through the book. Absolutely. So I started in practice from scratch on my own in New York City, which is a whole beast in and of itself, in a teeny tiny little one room studio on the fifth floor with no signage, um, with less than a few thousand dollars to my name. You know, I was able to rent 17 hours a week for a thousand dollars a month from another practitioner who was in there when she wasn't practicing. And I was so intimidated because it was one block from Central Park and looking through the window, the, the home, a single family home, it was a five story building, was on the market for $72 million. Um, and that's yes, similar to, let's say, what is that? I don't know, <laughs> in Australian. But um, I wasn't prepared for that. And I, all I had prepped for was like the stereotypical suburban chiropractic practice where you can go out and shake people's hands and do screenings on the corner and set up talks easily. And it was a whole nother animal. And I quickly had to revise my practice strategy and business model, um, how to attract new patients in and how to connect with them. That was very different than they, you know, teach them the big idea. Okay, you know, when they, when they know what you know, they'll do what you do. And I quickly realized that sounded good from a stage, but it didn't really work. Like I always equate it to the dental example of um, everyone knows you should go get twice a year cleanings as preventative. But if you actually look at the stats, like 25% of people at most do it, even when money is no issue. And that shows that that's one way to start realizing if your patients know what you know, it doesn't mean they're going to do what you do. And how to connect with patients in a different way, what I call the patient-centered approach, which most professions, we have that problem. We try to get patients to want what we're offering, want our service, want our unique technique and treatment or whatever we're offering, rather than deliver to patients the end results that they want through our unique process, but they don't care about the process. They want the end results. And shifting that ability to stop educating, stop um, drowning people and all this talking and give them what they're looking for through the process I know is best for them. And it was, it was amazing. It was eye-opening. And I started sharing that with colleagues I graduated with who and I could tell ins insurance was going out. They were doing the, the old scripts and they just were, they were frustrated and they were grinding it out and sharing them what I was doing and they saw a difference. And then I started sharing it just globally with chiropractors. And this was by now about five, six years ago. And it just exploded. So now I'm giving seminars that I'll be at my third one in Australia in July. I'm going back to the UK. I have them in the US. And uh, what I do now full time is sharing and teaching uh, mainly chiropractors, but really any uh, doctor can use it of how to grow your practice with a patient centered approach, um, 
really more retention, more referrals, more patient investment in your services. And it's not very marketing driven um, because what's interesting is when a lot of practitioners start using this, and I'm not knocking any marketing whatsoever, but they start, more patients just start coming to them and finding them because what they're doing on the inside is so much more inspiring and there's an energy to life. Like when you're inspired and you know you're doing the right thing, things flow. If you aren't and it's like a grind, you, you got to keep grinding it out. So you know, I'm all for marketing that works without a doubt. And it's just interesting when you, there's a shift internally, externally, a shift takes place. And then what I noticed is what we're going to talk about on this, on this call is after five years or three to four years of working with hundreds and hundreds of doctors, natural health practitioners, really sharing the same exact information with all of them and seeing doctors of all walks of life and all different areas of the world take these strategies and like just really quickly seeing an increase in collections and volume um, ease with, with being able to take three day weekends every week, but also seeing a lot of the doctors self-sabotage, uh, procrastinate, uh, just get stuck. And we're talking about even practitioners in the same exact town. Like what's the difference? And that's where I stumbled upon a mindset that I've never heard anyone to talk about in our profession, in natural healthcare, really in any of the personal development and growth spaces that I've come to see as the most significant foundational pillar of whether or not you're going to have the practice you want, um, whether or not you're going to attract the number of new patients you want. And so I wrote a book on it um, and it came out at the end of last year. And that's what you uh, just finished, Angus. And, and I'm excited to share that mindset with you today so you can use it, apply it to your marketing. And my goal is that things start getting a lot easier for you as you attract in more new patients through whatever mediums you choose to market. Because Angus, I'm sure you have tons of people come on this podcast and share about different tactics and strategies that all have merit. And we all know whether it's talks, Facebook ads, screenings, mailers, you know, podcasting. We all know there's so many ways to get your message out there, attract patients, market your practice, draw patients in. But we also know that 10 people could do the same, same type and all have different results. And we all know there's not just one that works all the time and some that never work, otherwise they wouldn't exist. So it's like, what's the common denominator behind it? And of course, quality first. 10 people could do a podcast and of all 10 different qualities or do a screening or talk, all different qualities. But there's a mindset behind it that contributes to, is this going to be quality? Is the talk, you know, hypothetically, 10 practitioners have the same exact audience in front of them and all give a talk. Each of those practitioners is going to have a different rate of how many people just choose to book an appointment. And it's not just based on the offer or the clothes or any of that. It's based on how you show up and what's in your mind. And that's what I'm going to contribute to your audience today. And I'm excited. And yeah, that was a long-winded bio. And I just, I just want to dive into it. <laughs> it, um, I, it yeah, and you touched on so many great points there too. The, um, 
Dean Jackson, one of uh, marketing royalty, when he talks about marketing, he talks about there being three different phases to it, a before phase, a during phase, and an after phase. And most people, when they think about marketing, they think about just the before phase. It's the, the screening, um, you know, it's the talk, it's the Facebook ad, those kind of things there. But there's a during phase there, which is how do I interact with you when you come into my practice? You know, how do I communicate with you? Uh, the, the type of work that you do a lot with your program there is marketing. That's as much marketing as as putting in a Facebook ad as well. But we often don't think of that as marketing. In, to, in some extent, everything that we do as a practitioner from the color of our walls, the clothes that we wear, the way we answer our phone, these are all marketings, but they're just different phases of marketing. I, I've been fascinated by it too, because I see the same thing. If somebody went back to episode one of the Marketing Your Practice podcast, there's enough strategy and tactics inside of there's enough free information there that if you just implemented that that you would have more new patients than you knew what to do uh, to how to how to cope with um but we don't and and uh, but the same is true for me any of the challenges inside of my life i could probably now hop onto google and search for them and find the right solutions but you articulated inside of your book this process and there's a question that you ask there of you know, do I really deserve that result? Now, you could insert that. Do I really deserve more new patients? Do I really deserve the relationship? Do I really deserve? And in that too, I'm one of the first thing that you might want to clarify for me, one, the importance of that question, but the difference that you talk about between worthiness and deserving as well. Can we leap off from there? Absolutely. So just to clarify before getting into the difference between worthiness and deservingness is that's the mindset and the belief is whether or not you believe you deserve having what you're going after. Mm. So catered, let's say to this audience, it's you're probably tuned in because you want to attract more new patients to you and keep them and have them refer all those phases of marketing. Here's the linchpin of why 10 providers can go to give a talk or a screening or run the same exact ad to the same exact audience and have very different results is the, the, the greatest difference, which can, is again going to contribute to the quality of the talk, the, is whether or not they believe they deserve having the number of new patients every month that you want. Mm. That's it. And as oftentimes natural healthcare providers say alternative to medicine, there is inherently in the culture and in the field, lots of undeserving beliefs that come with that, whether it's related to how people perceive you, the public, um, levels of income, practice success, practice reputation, notoriety in your area. There are, unfortunately, because it's maybe not mainstream, maybe it's alternative, just inherent undeserving beliefs that come with being a natural holistic oriented provider and the good thing is these aren't set in stone they're not stamped on your forehead we acquire these through our journey through grad school through our early startup phase and if they're still stuck with you we're able to tweak them and that's what the deserving process does it's a very very simple yet intense meditative process that I outline in the book. I give a free um, audio guided uh, version of it. So you can just listen to me guide you through it on my website to start moving through your undeserving beliefs and 
transform them and switch them to deserving. And literally, when you do that, you could do the same exact marketing, but since you have an internal set point difference, it's going to have different results. Like the, the external can't change if the internal doesn't. So what this shows is how to change the internal and the external naturally is going to change. And then you're going to actually make changes. Like you won't procrastinate as much. You, you won't self-sabotage. You won't do the things you know that you do, which we all do in certain areas that mm. stop us from having the results we actually want. So the difference between worthiness and deserving is you can apply this to practice or any area of your life, like your health, your relationships, your happiness, your finances. When we think of worthiness, we've grown up and been conditioned to think of worthiness as someone else's opinion or viewpoint on us. So religiously, it may be God or a, a deity. Um, it may be like what our parents think, our peers think, um, society thinks, Hollywood and the news and the media thinks. So, and this, this can apply to worthiness based on your gender. Like if you're female, you may think you're a different worthiness than a male what, based on your ethnicity, based on your socioeconomic status, based on your sexual orientation. I mean, any way you want to categorize yourself, it's common to have a worthiness factor associated with that. And that's the reason I don't talk about worthiness much. And I don't, I don't use them as synonyms. When you focus in on deserving, deserving comes from your personal choice. It's your mindset, which means that you can change it. You may not be able to think, you may not think you're able to change your level of worthiness in a religious stand context or societal context, but your personal level of deserving belief is adaptable, malleable, changeable. You, it, it grew inside of you through your upbringing, through your past history and certain events. And when you actually choose to do something about it, and you go do this process and you dive into all the areas that you don't believe you deserve, having the number of new patients, having the collections, having the income, having the success, you can change it, you can get through it. And that's the foundational pillar and platform that needs to be done before you actually start with the tactical and the external uh, approaches. Mm. That help, Angus? So Josh, why don't we start with um, the question, first of all, when somebody wants to find, do they have a deserving issue? You know, there's some important things that, you know, so if we use that example is, you know, do I believe uh, that I deserve a successful practice. And I know that word success is a big kind of grand term there as well. But in the book, you talk about just like checking in with yourself. Like when I say that to myself, do I deserve? And with you really, it's kind of a yes or a no answer is what you're looking for. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and you said it correctly. Success can be ambiguous. So just get really clear. If you're, if you're listening to this, you probably have a marketing goal and strategy in place. And let's just say that's 20 new patients a month. At, consistently ask mm. yourself, do you believe you deserve 20 new patients a month consistently coming to you? And here's the thing. It's absolutely normal and okay if you don't hear a, a resounding yes or you hear a I don't know or a no. That's completely normal because of undeserving beliefs that we've grown up with or inherited through our profession. 
And what's great is as soon as you realize that, now you can actually do something about it because instead of going and jumping from strategy to strategy, tactic to tactic, address the internal, address the foundation, and then all the strategies are going to work better. So um, get specific in the question. And you can apply to any area. Like this doesn't have to be marketing. You can, if you're, if you're single and struggling and want to be in a great relationship, or you're trying to lose the last another twenty pounds and you're noticing it's you're stuck, or 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 reach a certain income level, like ask yourself that question. And if you are stuck, it's very likely you've got an undeserving belief. That's the reason for the stuckness. Yeah, I think because you articulate that so nicely in the book that if there is an area of your life where you are procrastinating, if you are feeling stuck, if you're, uh, you've reached a plateau and yet you're trying all of these things, you're going from coach to book to program to this kind of stuff there too, then chances are that when you ask yourself this question, do I really believe that I deserve that result in around that too? The answer is probably going to be a no. So when, when we get these beliefs, because you talk about in the book, where do they come from? Where do these deserved beliefs how do they get a part of me? How do they lay their foundations? So it often starts with the earliest, earliest memories of how you grew up and what you thought life should be like, which was what you grew up experiencing, your parents' interaction, relationships, the environment you grew up in, like the home, the cars, the vacations, oftentimes the socioeconomic class you grew up in, that's what you believe you deserve. Now, it doesn't have to be. It could have been you chose to rebel against that and be like, no, like, okay, my parents grew up at this level. I want to grow up at this level. Um, it's oftentimes an 80-20, uh, where some just accept, all right, that, that's what I deserve. My, that's what my parents had. That's what I grew up with. That's what seems right and what seems normal. Um, but then it gets more and more specific. So it could be one specific moment in time that someone told you something like, I was on, it was my first year in grad school and I went on a mission trip for a chiropractic mission trip um, to adjust people in Dominican Republic. And so this was my first year out of a four year process. I didn't know where I wanted to practice yet. I didn't know anything about like what exactly how I was going to do it. But I, one evening I was talking with one of the doctors on the trip who was actually the organizer. So I, I gave him a lot of weight and credit and validity in my mind and for some reason he asked me how much i'm going to charge for an adjustment when i graduate and when i get out years later and i had never really thought about it and all i knew was the practice that i had interned with before school you know what their fees were and so i just mentioned something around there and he immediately says to me, and, and I, I grew up, grown up in New York, and I was at school in the South, and I had planned to go back to New York, but immediately he said to me, oh, well, then you can't practice in New York. That's too cheap. And that one comment from my first year in grad school through three years later set in mind, set in me, I'm not going to go practice in New York. Hmm. And that was tough because that was my whole life, my family, my friends, everything I knew, like I'd always been in New York for the first 22 uh, years of my life. And so there's a combination of undeserving beliefs compile on us through how we were raised and all of our experiences growing up, but it could be one sentence that someone says to you. 
like oftentimes with the doctors I work with, it's something a parent said to us. Mm. Like you tell a story of oh, one sorry, time, yeah, where you were in the car driving along and your parents thought that you were asleep and they were having a conversation in around family finances. And there was something there that kind of imprinted on you also. Can you share that story also with our listeners? Absolutely. I'm five years old, uh, coming back from a day picnic at a park, a long car ride. So we we're trying to fall asleep. My brother was asleep. I, w I looked like I was asleep because my eyes were closed and my, I could hear my parents starting to talk and argue. And oftentimes it was about money because we, we were middle class, we got by, but um, you know, my dad worked a lot, my mom didn't, and there was a constant frustration of my dad always wanting my mom to work to contribute more to the family income. And I could hear it getting heated, so of course I pretended to be asleep as a child, and finally I heard my dad, who I looked up to as, like most children look up to their dad, as the most powerful person in their life, and the leader and he's got his got everything together and I just heard him broken and and in his voice when he exclaimed we don't have any money left and then there was silence I don't remember anything after that and, and I remember back at home there was nothing prepared for dinner and I heard my dad say okay well we'll order pizza and I climbed up on his lap on the couch and said, dad, how, how are you going to order pizza if we don't have any money left? And he just was like, no, no, it, it'll be okay. And kind of just brushed it off. And I mean, that left a lasting impact in me of, I never want to be in that situation of being stressed about money, like seeing this figure who is, I see as, you know, back when I was growing up, it was like the Rocky and Rambo movies. So like I saw him as mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone and like see him flattened and broken because of the concept of money and i also attributed it to that's why my parents relationship didn't work out and they ended up splitting and getting divorced so i had such a strong set point of i'm never going to let that happen to me mm. and there's there's good and bad in that you know there's 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 an analyticalness about money and like very very um cautious and intentional about where my money goes and really um um strategies around it and just being very disciplined and diligent um, and but very healthy of the fact that you know being able to create a life where I'm there is not stress and anxiety around money so like it, it's all how we adapt and interpret interpret it but ultimately that was a significant moment and many of us ha can go back to a moment where our parents accidentally inadvertently because they're human set and set to us certain deserving beliefs. And, and for instance, I didn't believe if there was stress and uh, financial stress in a relationship, I didn't believe a relationship could last or be happy if there's financial stress. Yeah. Josh, as I was reading through the book, there were numerous areas in my life. I went, you know what? I've probably got some, not probably, I have some deserved issues in around there. And then what I've, and again, given that this is kind of 36 hours old for me, I've then, tried to go back and find stuff um, you have, and with lots of the examples you give in the book, you give these kind of crystal clear examples of, ah, I could see how that would lead to that problem there too. Now, so far I, I've been having some difficulty pinpointing that moment and finding those moments there is obviously important because in a moment we'll talk about kind of the three-step process to kind of unwind some of these issues. So when you're coaching people through that and they're going back trying to look for kind of moments where these belief systems might've 
have come from. Do you have some suggestions? Yeah, great, great question. So it's very common to acknowledge, be aware, realize that there's an undeserving belief, but then have be like a blank slate as to, well, where did that happen? I don't remember, you know, this wasn't a part of my past history. I don't remember a significant moment. And oftentimes, if it was something very significant, we block it out. Like it's purely buried in the subconscious. The good thing is you don't have to find the originating factor to be able to get through it. So you can use the current emotional stress that that undeserving belief produces in your life. So for instance, if it's a practitioner and you're consistently getting eight new patients a week or a month and your goal is 20 and that's causing stress, like what am I doing wrong? It's causing financial stress because it's it's definitely impacting your collections and your income. Um, You don't have to try to think, oh, where in my past did I have an undeserving belief around new patients from youth or grad school or early on in practice? you can use the stress it's currently causing. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why aren't I good enough? Um, You can use the present situation and emotion in the process to get through it. So that usually gives people more hope. Like, again, you don't have to do a whole autobiography of yourself. You can use the present situation and stress to work through it. Got it. Okay. So I I think why don't we dive into the kind of three-step process to help to clear these? Because I think the concept, you know, many of our listeners now will, it it made so much sense to read through it. I go, yeah, look, these areas in my life where I've struggled, ultimately underneath them has been some incongruency in my thought process of which, you know, you articulate as a deserved process there. I've not seen a strategy really you know, there are different bits and pieces from, you know, I'm going to just create some affirmations that says I am worthy, I am this. And there's some uh, uh, results that I have achieved from those kind of things. And when I have been able to achieve some results in some format, I've done a combination of the things that you've done beforehand. So there's three steps that you teach inside the book. Let's give an overview of those. Um, so our listeners can kind of, you know, start to test this process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll give the give the the overview of the process and realize that you, you know you can go to the website and get me guiding you through it. You don't even have to read the book, even though chapter five really helps define why you're doing each step. Yes. And before diving into the three steps, I, I want to make a couple points about how this is different. So oftentimes, you know, of all the great teachers and personal growth and self development, oftentimes the the major mindset shift they're trying to get is that this is possible like like law of attraction it just that it's possible that you can actually see you know that amount of money in your bank account or the happy marriage or again the number of new patients that's beneficial but oftentimes we don't relate it to us specifically so we may get to a point where we understand or believe something is possible in life, but we still actually don't believe we deserve it. Like we think it's possible to have the million dollar practice, but then when they turn it in, you turn it inward, you don't believe you deserve to have the million dollar practice. And that's a big difference. The second pitfall that I see with a lot of personal development and self growth is we put the cart before the horse and we focus on, um, strategically making the goals, the vision board, the vision, the affirmations. Um, 
you know, we, 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 we get really diligent into what exactly do we want to achieve, manifest, create. And that has a place and that has a purpose. But if it's on top of an undeserving belief and you don't address the undeserving belief first, it's the same thing as having the most beautiful mansion built with the best architects, the best materials and all the money in the world and putting it on a swamp or a sinkhole. It's not going to take shape. So I'm all for having your visualization, your vision board, your goals, your affirmations, whatever those tools are. But if you don't address, like, first of all, if you're stuck and you're using all those, it's because of an undeserving belief. Mm. If you're using all of those and you're seeing progress, that's great. Keep doing it. You obviously, you have a deserving belief in that area and all those tools are helping you get there. But if you're stuck, if you know there's self-sabotage, procrastination, and you're doing some of those, there's an undeserving belief issue. And that has to be filled in first. That's filling in the sinkhole, then use those to put the mansion on top of it. So understanding that the three-step process, the first really is just, is just getting grounded and centered into your body. It's, it's, it's really just warming you up. So I'm going to go and I'm going to, I often talk of it as it's really a two-step process. The first one is what most people don't teach. What most people avoid is you've got to actually experience what you're avoiding, what you don't want to think about. So if you can acknowledge that you have an undeserving belief around new patient attraction, total practice success, collections income, you've got a feeling around that. You've got a feeling why you don't believe that. And it doesn't feel good. If you don't actually address that, experience that work through it, it's always going to be floating in the back of your head and always going to be bombarding you throughout the day, throughout the week. And it's going to cause the self-sabotage. It's going to hit you before you go into that conversation with the patient about fees. It's going to hit you while you're deciding on what marketing to do and you're going to choose the wrong one or not do anything. It's going to hit you before the talk. It's just, it owns you. But until you actually experience the emotions that you're always trying to avoid, the fear, the I'm not good enough, the anxiety, the pressure, they're never going to go away. So the first half of the deserving process is actually doing what doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't feel normal. It's what people think is the opposite of the law of attraction. It's actually feeling the feelings you don't want to feel because when you do, you actually clear them out. You actually move through them. You don't attract more of it into your life. And it's really simple, but it's not easy. And it's really effective. And as soon as you do it, you start noticing that hey, when I box those emotions, I don't want to feel into like this five, seven minute segment of my day. I don't start feeling them as much throughout the rest of the day. And I'm not triggered as much and they don't bombard me. And like the whole day feels a lot smoother. Mm. That's, the, that's the first step. When that happens day after day, then you can start actually acting and being in a different way because you're not being bombarded with these negative self-talk and these negative feelings. And then the more days that go by, that's where just the synergy of life and the synchronicity happens where then things outside of you and outside of your personal actions start changing and taking place. Um, where, like when new patients just start finding you and it wasn't necessarily traceable through a certain marketing strategy or tactic. So that's got to be done. And that's what almost no one does in any of their self-growth mm. um, processes. 
and some perspective the second, that, yeah. just for a moment just just for our listeners like that that's a five to seven minute process you know you, you kind of have a 20 minute process that you go through but that's kind of what you suggest in the book there that you know you're going to sit down and really get present with that feelings of frustration of lack of deservedness of worthiness all that kind of stuff there too and and you talk about am i writing look five to seven minutes and eventually what will start to happen is the emotional triggers and that will start to dissipate just a little. Are we expecting them to disappear or just them to start to kind of ease off? Just to ease off. So let's say if you have something that feels like a 90% trigger around money, around new patient attraction, you do that for five to seven minutes and your goal is it may go down to 60, 50, 40%. It's, yes. like, it's like a workout. And as long as it's decreasing, you did your workout for the day. and then. The next time it may start at an 80 and go down to a 30 and then start at a 70 and go down to a 20 and then start at a 60 and go down to a 10. And you don't even have to completely eliminate it. This isn't about eliminating negative emotions from your life. That's not um, possible. That's not realistic. That's not human. The difference is do those negative emotions own you or do you own the negative emotions? Can you control them and box them away rather than them manipulating how life goes for you. Mm. So it's not about completely disappearing it either in one session or even over time. And you don't need to, if you just get it to a low enough where it's not dominating you, if you get it to low enough where it's not dominating you, you will see an absolute transformation in how you feel and the results in your life. Right. So this is another question. Is that process in terms of doing that, Josh, is it likely that, um, it might be a week or two weeks of working on that one kind of belief system or feeling, or how do you suggest people? Cause you talk about, look, don't try and, you know, look, I've got some issues with my weight and I'm really, I want to get a relationship and my practice sucks. Like we just choose one of those. And how long do we stay on that for before we might move on to our next one? Perfect. So pick the area that's causing the most tension in your life. Yeah. So, you know, is it relationships, happiness, money, health, practice? Pick that and stay consistent with it until you feel and see enough of a change that you're willing to move on to another area. Mm. So just like anything with consistency. So yeah. don't be jumping around every day doing a different one. Stay with one to build consistency and build that muscle. And then with the people that you've done this with, like how long do they typically stay on that? Is it a week, two weeks? Um, what, what do you expect? Yeah. You know, that's one of those things that is so just unique to the person. For some people, it could be a few, it could be the first session. It could be a few days and they just mm -hmm. let it go for some people, something really ingrained. Yeah. It's going to take weeks, maybe months, but the good thing is you're seeing differences all along the way. It's not like, Oh, everything changes on day 60. It's you're going to be from the very first time you do it, you're going to notice a difference in how the rest of your day goes. And my goal is that when you experience that the first time, it'll give you enough evidence to keep doing it every day and, and take, take that 20 minutes out of your day to commit to this when you can't be doing, you can't be answering emails, you can't be seeing patients, you can't be watching TV and it's worth it because you see the difference immediately in your life and then it just grows. So no, there is no like, oh, this is the two week deserving process. This is the two month for this issue. It's yeah. all unique on how deep it is and the quality of the process you do. Because like I say, there's a, there's a audio I'll give to you that will make it easier because you hear me guiding you through it. But if you just listen to it and don't actually do what I'm telling you to do, 
mm. you're not going to notice much of a difference. Like you, you got to actually do the work. Yeah. Got it. So and do the work means in the meditation, not like go do something after the meditation. Got it. Yeah. After we've gone through that, that phase there, which you kind of refer to as the clearing phase after that, the third step that you have is called emotionalizing. Um, what's that about? And, and how do we do that? So emotionalizing is taking your goal setting and your visualization and your vision board to the next level. So likely you have a vision, you have goals of what you want to create in your practice specifics and in your life that has merit when you actually connect with the emotion you want to feel or you anticipate you're going to feel when you get that, when you get the number of new patients, when you have the collections you want, when you have the relationship, when you have the body, what's that feeling? The happiness, the peace of mind, the joy, the excitement, the power, whatever it is for you. When you combine the feeling with the vision, that's when the magic starts to happen. And when you do that after the clearing, because again, you can do that, but if it's on top of undeserving beliefs, you're going to self-sabotage. You're not going to believe you deserve that good feeling and the vision. But when it comes right after doing the clearing, getting through those undeserving beliefs, and then you crystal clear, see what you want to create and the feeling that's connected to it, that's the process. And you will see a difference immediately in how you feel during the day. And as days go by, you will see externally things changing, the number of new patients, the bank account, the better relationship, whatever it is, things, it's, it, it literally is magical because it's tapping into the underlying essences of what makes life move, which is emotion for humans. Mm. And, and you talk about too, perhaps, you know, if there is an emotion to really focus on there, it would be just appreciation and gratitude, you know, thanks in advance for what's coming, whether, you know, the examples we talked about before, whether it is the 20 new patients uh, a month, the relationship that's, that's coming into you. So, you know, if we, if we summarize that process there of, you know, first of all, sit down, get really present, some breaths in there is really that first phase. Phase two is, is the clearing phase, which is what I was fascinated with. And I feel like even now I have a better understanding of just access the frustration, you know, whatever it is, the emotions that you like, have. Like, like give yourself permission to experience it yes. rather than try to try to avoid it and block it out. Yeah. Cause and that's what master. has it linger and never. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I've trained myself really over the last, two and a half decades to constantly reframe when there's a negative emotion there. I go, oh, reframe, reframe, reframe there too. So I'm, I'm really interested to kind of sit down and get present. And go, I wonder, yeah, got it. Let me kind of access that, feel that more, you know, and then work into that process in terms of that emotionalizing phase, when somebody's visualizing, experiencing, tapping into that, how long would we be in that phase for? Is that a five, 10 minute kind of gig? That's a good 10 minutes. So think of the, Getting into it is two to three minutes of just balance centering your body. Then let's say seven minutes of clearing, 10 minutes of emotionalization is about 20 minutes total. Um, now, of course, you can do without the, the guided experience, you could just do a mini one and do it all condensed into 10 minutes. You could do a longer one over 30 minutes. The, the minutes don't matter as much as are you actually feeling the feelings in the clearing and the emotionalization. And just like you said, gratitude always works love always works yeah. 
And if there's something else, when you think of your bank account or your practice or whatever it is, if there's another emotion that's associated with that goal and that vision you set for yourself, use that because that's real for you. And that's great. And so the key really is just tapping into that emotion and feeling it and embodying it as, as much as possible. Um, you know, when you're seeing the outcome that you're after that, is that the key part of that third phase? Yes, it's, it's most people visualize and probably people listening to this podcast because you're already in like some type of a growth oriented mindset and world, but we don't connect the emotion. And especially for men we're we're less emotional. We don't think as much. We, you know, we think with our heads more than our hearts. Um, you know, this, this, it's a challenge for me. Um, definitely. But for most men, feeling your vision is going to have you move towards it with so much more power and velocity and congruency and less self-sabotage. I'm guessing Josh with the, you know, hundreds of people that you've coached thousands that you've taught this process to, um, there's some barriers that it might come up. Oh, it's a bit kind of woo woo or anything like that too. What would you say to our listeners that are sitting there at the moment going, ah, I'm not so sure about this. It kind of all sounds a bit kind of fluffy for me. What advice would you give them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So first is the age old, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results. So I'm not knocking what you're doing. Again, a lot of what you're doing, it has validity and merit. This may be the linchpin that's having that not work as well. So if you're stuck, this is a no expense, 20 minute of your time way to start seeing a shift. Um, And again, just, just be honest with yourself. If you keep doing the same, I mean, this is something I remind myself of every month in my business, in my life. It's like, wait, Josh, how do you expect growth outside of the curve that's already happening or, or the, you know, the trajectory you're you're already on if you're doing the exact same things, you're not, it's not possible. That's Einstein. That's just law of life. Like it's not possible for things to change if you keep doing the exact same thing, unless they already are changing. So just get honest with yourself. If things aren't changing and you know, you've got to do something different. And we all, especially with this age where the, 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 the technology age that we live in right now, we all have 20 minutes in our life if we choose to let go of 20 minutes of YouTube, social media, emails, you know, we all have plenty of distraction. Just look at you probably on your iPhone, have the thing that shows how many hours of everything you are on. You've got the 20 minutes somewhere. Give this gift to yourself and realize this is a big one, Angus. And I want your listeners to get this. If it exists in this world, a number of new patients, an income level, a house, a relationship, if it exists in this world and it's something you want and you're in this world, which you are, there is no inherent reason that you don't deserve having it. You've Mm -hmm. got to give yourself permission to believe you deserve having it. And I'm telling you, this 20-minute process is an access to help you move faster and easier towards that, especially if you're feeling stuck. And if you're not feeling stuck, it's just going to be another rocket booster on your back. Yeah. So thank you, Angus, for letting me share this with your group. Yeah. How, last kind of question, and then I want to sort of direct some people towards where they can find the audios, where they can find the book as well. 
if, um, if I'm going to test this process out there, um, how long typically before people notice some results, even if it's a, you know, a sense of ease that comes in? Is it days, weeks, months? After the very first one you do, you will notice a sense of ease for the rest of your day, without a doubt. So from the very first, you will notice an internal shift. And then each one, it's just more internal shift, and then the external will start happening, but from the very first one. Got it. And that was my sneaking suspicion there too. So, you know, I think this, you know, gang, if you're listening to this, if, if, if life is smashing along, you're growing, there's a sense of ease in every area of, your, of, of life, then keep doing it. But if there's an area of frustration, the question I would ask you is this, is it worth 20 minutes? just to test this out you know is it worth sitting down going through the process you know first of all if you want some guidance on this either go and buy josh's book i i, I suggest you should do that it's not a long read it's there's no fluff to it. it's full of just action steps the end of each chapter's finished beautifully with here's the high points here's the work for you to do a couple of things for you to think about which i found really helpful but josh if somebody wants to go and get a hold of the guided audio as well what's the best spot for them to go to that Go to drjoshwagner.com, so drjoshwagner.com. Yeah, great. And I'll have all these links there as, as, as well where you can uh, go and find out more about Josh, find Josh on the socials, access to where the book is also. Josh, in kind of winding up today, first of all, um, you know, I, I, I wrote a book a number of years ago and um, I saw how damn difficult it was and my book is still sitting unpublished. So I want to first of all just acknowledge you for... It's a beautifully written book. I mentioned that at the start. It's so full of practical, helpful advice. So thank you for taking the time to do that too. And I also want to acknowledge you on the constant innovation and growth that I see. It's, it's been exciting for me to kind of catch up with you over the last week or so and see all the wonderful things that you've done. I saw some of your interviews on NBC and morning television and you're just doing great things. So thank you very, very much for all that you do uh, and continue to do. Uh, you know, for our profession, for chiropractors and for, for people in general. So any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, you know, the, the piggybacking on the last sentiment I shared of if it exists in this life and you're in this world, there's no reason you don't deserve it. Like whatever you want, you want it for a reason. I'm sure it's not ego driven. Like you absolutely deserve having it. If you're stuck, that's completely normal. It happens to us all, me included. Use this process. Watch how quickly, how much more easily life gets and just moving through it, getting towards what you want, which is what you deserve to have. So thank you for listening. Thank you. you know, if you're listening right now, you just spent 40 minutes with us. I appreciate you for that. And I appreciate for all you do and all of the people you help. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Josh. I look forward to... Uh seeing what comes next from you as, as well. Thanks for being so incredibly generous uh, with us today and I'll see you soon, buddy. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Angus. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one -on -one with you to apply, implement, systematize and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.